You're listening to the Branded Cowgirl Podcast, episode 46. What's up, friends? So the other day when I was on Instagram, I had someone reach out to me, um, and I'm going to shout her out really quick. It is Brittany from Brittany Sierra Photography, and we had a super awesome conversation in the DMs on Instagram, and she is a listener of the show, and she was like telling me about some of the episodes she really enjoyed, and she was asking me if I had any episodes regarding uh, how to prepare for your first wedding as a photographer and I thought to myself oh my gosh I haven't done that but like what a good idea so here we are so Brittany this one is for you because you inspired me to do this show and or this episode and um yeah I just think this is like so important for you know I know I have a lot of photographers that listen to the show and follow me so I want to make sure you guys are feeling super prepared because I know how it feels like first weddings are super intimidating and it could be scary you don't really know what you're doing and there's just so much that goes with it so that's what we're going to dive into today and I'm really excited to talk about this with you and get into all the little nitty-gritty things on how to be successful at your very first wedding day so if you are a photographer or even if you're not but you just want to learn about something else then uh, keep on listening because we're going to dive into all that and more in just a second. Hey, my name is Sarah and I'm a Western photographer, a business educator, and a marketing nerd. But most of my friends just know me as the crazy horse girl. My journey started when I bought my $800 horse at 14 and that manifested into a business that changed my life. I'm a cowgirl turned full-time entrepreneur and I have made it my mission to help other Western women and men grow thriving businesses so they can live that small town dream life that they desire while achieving goals bigger than they ever could have imagined. Around here, we cover all things marketing, social media, branding, content creation, and so much more. We believe that business does not have to be boring and that you can never own too many pairs of cowboy boots. If you're ready to get to work, learn how to uplevel your business and your life and get a little rowdy too, then you're in the right place. Let's get to it. I remember sitting down at Starbucks with sweaty hands and a binder full of papers in front of me neatly placed on the table. I was dressed to impressed and I had my sales pitch playing over and over in my head. I'm pretty sure I rehearsed that thing like a thousand times and it doesn't seem like very long ago when I was just beginning my journey as a wedding photographer. And looking back on it now, it was really this like bittersweet time for me and it's kind of funny to think about really because these days everything is so different. The way I ran my business in the very beginning versus how photographers who are just starting out run their businesses now is so different. And I think nowadays there's so many more resources at your hands. So it's easier to be successful from the beginning versus, and this isn't like, oh, poor me, like everybody has it so easy now. Cause that's not true. Like whatever, but you know, there, there are so much more resources these days than even just a few years ago. So it's just crazy, but also awesome. So if you are somebody that is just getting started, use that to your advantage. And we're going to talk about all of that today. So, you know, starting something new is always scary, but as a wedding photographer, I do believe there is kind of this added pressure just because you're entering into a world where you are now responsible for the memories of someone's best day ever. I know that sounds like super intimidating and it definitely is. I've 
definitely felt the stress from that when I first started. And even today, like I take that so seriously, but it does get easier. So deep breaths. It's not always going to just be this like looming thing over your head forever and ever and ever. So today I specifically want to talk to new photographers, up and coming wedding professionals, people that are listening to this and thinking how cool it would be to get to run around with awesome couples on their wedding day every single weekend. And trust me when I say it's totally awesome. But in this podcast episode, I want to give you guys my very best advice for how to succeed on your first official wedding day because it sounds like rainbows and sunshine. It sounds like the coolest, most fun job ever. And I truly believe it is one of the funnest jobs ever, but there is a pressure that goes with it and it's a lot of hard work. And I remember how it feels to be in your shoes right now. I remember the nerves, the butterflies, the excitement, the unknowing feeling that you have in the pit of your stomach. I know all those feelings far too well. So I want to speak to you from one photographer to another and give you my truth, my honest opinion. I'm holding nothing back. I want to give you the tools I wish I knew and had and put into play from the very beginning because it would have saved me a lot of time. It would have saved me a lot of heartache. So Um, that is all the things we're going to go over today. And maybe you have not attended that many weddings yourself just as a person. So you really don't know the flow of a wedding day, or maybe you aren't sure how to handle an aunt Karen or an uncle Bob that's constantly getting in your way all day. I've been there too, or perhaps you've been a second shooter before you've done weddings with other photographers. You've been an assistant to another photographer, but it's your time to shine now. And you want to be the lead photographer. You want to start taking on your own clients and you just want to make sure you can do the best job job possible which kudos to you that just shows you are a professional in the making that just shows that you are wanting to have a thriving business and you care about these clients so uh, applause snaps for you I'm snapping into the microphone Um, and as somebody who has been a full-time wedding photographer for over four years I can honestly say that this career is one of the most fulfilling but hard things I have ever done and I want you to walk into this with an honest outlook on what to expect and what to be aware of in this constantly changing industry because like I said just a few years ago everything looked a lot different than it does today and I'm sure in four more years it's going to look significantly different as well. So grab a notebook and a pen and let's get to work. Tip number one is probably one of the most important ones. We're hitting it hard right off the back but this is to always use a contract. A contract is crucial to running a successful business. I cannot tell you how many times when I first started out where I would just take someone's word for something and they would just end up bailing on me or they wouldn't pay me and I didn't have a contract in place so there would be no way to hold them accountable. A contract keeps you and your client protected so keep that in mind. You don't have to feel like weird by having someone sign away on an agreement because it does benefit them too solid contract will reassure your clients that not only are they being held accountable but so are you as the service provider and I would use contracts even if you are doing an agreement with family and friends it's just can get way too messy if people aren't all on the same page and I know again it can feel like a little weird being like hey cousin Joe like sign this contract like you know I get it it's weird family tension but they should understand that you're a business this is just you doing business and how it works so um, having everybody on an agreement for something just 
takes away any stress, any, you know, miscommunication. It's all right there. Everybody's on the same page and everyone can refer back to it. If you don't have a photography contract, you can purchase some um, on thelegalpage.com or thelawtog.com. I will have both of those linked in the show notes for this episode. Um, Those are both awesome contracts. I love both of those pages and accounts and they have Facebook groups. They're really, really awesome and they are both lawyers and they're, but they are a little expensive. So I'm just going to say right now, like depending on what kind of budget you're on, you may not be able to swing that right now. So if that's not something that you can do right now, if that's going to be an investment later on, then I would suggest going with HoneyBook, which you've probably heard me talking about before, but just in case you haven't and this is your first episode you're listening to, HoneyBook is a CRM platform that is a client relationships management platform slash software. It is how I send all of my contracts. So if you purchase a contract from an outside party, such as the legal page or the law tog, you can put it into HoneyBook and use that contract. But if you don't have a third-party contract, HoneyBook also provides contracts for a variety of different services. So they actually have contract templates already like for you to use as soon as you subscribe to HoneyBook. So that makes it super nice. I would say eventually to upgrade your contract and just get them to be a little more professional, but HoneyBook covers all the basic things that you need. So I really think that the contract they provide should at least cover most of your basic bases as a beginner. And if you would like to learn more about HoneyBook, if you would like to have a free trial of it, you can go to sarahelrod.com slash HoneyBook and get a free trial. You can get a discount when you sign up. There's all kinds of goodies over there. So sarahelrod.com slash honeybook. My second tip is to bring a backup camera. The biggest mistake that I think back on from my first wedding that I'm just like cringing at was that I did not have a backup camera. I would shoot everything on just one camera completely solo. And the reason why this is so sketchy is because something could happen to that camera that you have. And if you just have one, you're kind of screwed. It could break, you could drop it, something could corrupt, it could get wet. I mean, all kinds of stuff happens. Somebody at the reception throws beer on it. Like, what would you do if all of a sudden that camera stopped working? If you only have one camera and that one, that one that you have doesn't work anymore, you literally cannot do your job. So I highly recommend bringing a second camera. And if you cannot afford to purchase a second camera right now, see if you can borrow a camera from a friend or a family member. Ideally, it would be the same type of camera, same exact camera, or something very close to your camera camera your main camera that you have but in my opinion something is better than nothing so even if the quality is a little less than it's better than nothing and I mean don't come at me people that are like oh my gosh it has to be the same quality like I agree but you got to do what you got to do especially in the very beginning so um, definitely I think it is worth an investment to get a second camera 100% but regardless if you can't buy one yourself then find a way to get a backup one. Another option you could do is to rent a camera body. There's all kinds of places where you can do this, either in person or online. Borrowlenses.com is a really great resource where you can borrow all kinds of camera related things. So I would definitely check that out. I'll also have the link for that in the show notes as well. And while we're on the subject of backups, Think about backups for just about everything. Anything you can back up on a wedding day, I think you should do it. So bring backup SD cards, backup batteries, backup flashes. I mean, pretty much anything that if you only had one of them and that one thing broke, 
If you would be screwed in that situation, consider getting a backup for it because it's just going to give you a peace of mind that if for whatever reason something happens, you have a second one to use. My third tip is to bring an assistant. Having a friend or a family member or even a hired assistant tag along on a wedding day is so helpful. They're there to grab your bags, they can hold the veil, the dress, whatever you need. They can grab you a bottle of water or having an assistant. It's also just nice to calm your nerves because having a buddy there always seems to make me feel a little less stressed out on wedding days and it gives you somebody to talk to because there's a lot of parts of the day where you might be doing something by yourself and you're kind of off and it's nice to just have that extra person there with you hanging out with you and supporting you throughout the day and this is also just assuming that you don't have a second shooter working with you that day because a lot of times a second shooter doubles as an assistant so it's just kind of nice to have that extra body there just in case and I would make sure ahead of time though that your assistant whoever they may be knows their responsibilities ahead of time and what you expect of them if they're a second shooter and you are hiring them to be there or if you're hiring them as just an assistant I would recommend having them on contract for sure. If it is like a family member or a friend, you don't necessarily have to have them on contract for this, but I mean, even then it still might be nice to just have a contract just in case or have like a sheet written out of all the expectations that you have for them and what you're going to need them to do. They need to be aware that this is a very important day and it is at your job. This isn't necessarily playtime. You can have fun together. It's a fun environment to be in, but they need to understand that this is a time for where they need to be professional, respectful, all the things. Some duties that I like to give assistants are grabbing my bags, reading out the family photo list after the ceremony, which we will talk about in a little bit, or using them as a second set of eyes. Even when I'm posing people and taking pictures of like groupings, I just have them watch out for people wearing sunglasses or if somebody's hands look awkward or if somebody closed their eyes or if somebody's not smiling or all the different things. It's kind of nice to just have that second pair of eyes like looking at the photo from the same spot that I am just to make sure that I don't miss anything. My fourth tip, four, are we on four? I honestly lost track, is to make sure you have a timeline of the day. It's always a good idea to discuss the timeline of the whole wedding day ahead of time with your couple. You don't have to necessarily be the one making the timeline, but a lot of photographers do. It allows them to kind of make sure that there's a lot of time planned or, or, you know, put in the day for the photos that they need to take. But chances are wedding days are not going to stick to a timeline perfectly. So also keep that in mind. But having everybody on the same page, the general idea of what time specific events such as the ceremony and reception and cocktail hour and first looks and all those things having a general idea of when these events are going to happen is always a good thing it kind of keeps the day flowing and everybody's not running around going when are we doing this what time should we do this when's this going to happen how much time does this take all that kind of stuff so personally I like to send a questionnaire to my clients ahead of time before the wedding asking them things like are you doing a first look is there going to be a cake cutting are you doing bouquet garter toss are you doing anything special with the bridesmaids do you want to do photos before the ceremony? Um, Do you want to do golden hour photos? Anything that you could possibly think of, I ask in a questionnaire. And this helps me better plan out the timeline if I'm the one creating it, or at least it gives me a better vision of what the wedding day is going to look like. HoneyBook also allows you to create questionnaires, which is another reason why I love it so much. But you could also, if you don't want to 
buy HoneyBook right now or subscribe to HoneyBook, you could also create a free questionnaire in a Google form as well and send that out. Or you could just call your clients and ask them over the phone or in person as well. My next tip is to show up early. I like to show up at least 15 minutes early to get all of my gear together and start scouting out locations for photos. I also think it just looks more professional if you get there a little bit early. But another reason why getting there early is a good idea is something could happen to your car. You could hit unexpected traffic on the way. Having that time cushion is always nice to be able to handle any unexpected issues that may come about on a wedding day. Plus, it's kind of nice too because if you have that extra time, you can take your time getting into the room, you can say hi to everyone, meet all the wedding party, and it really just sets the tone for the day. So it's kind of just like a fun way of just getting to know each other really quick before you start working and you can take a couple deep breaths and realize like, okay, here we are. It's okay. Everybody's nice. Like, let's do this. Tip number six, five, I don't know, I lost track, is to get a shot list for family formals. So as I stated earlier, a lot of times I will have an assistant read off a family shot list. But if you're like, what the heck does that mean? You will quickly learn, my little blossoming butterfly, that family formals on a wedding day is usually the most chaotic part of the whole day. This typically happens right after the ceremony is over and everyone is really excited to talk to the bride and groom. They're excited to get to the reception and drink and dance and have fun and that's so awesome. But in most cases, this is like herding cats because you have all these excited people that you are now trying to get together to stand still and take a photo. So having a shot list that you can read off groupings makes everything run a million times smoother. This is again where I hand it off to either an assistant or sometimes I assign like a loud bridesmaid or family member that kind of knows everybody at the wedding for the most part to gather these people up and start getting groups on deck, start letting people know ahead of time, okay, you're in the next photo, all these things. It just makes it run so much smoother. Family formal lists also make sure you want you well, you want to make sure that they are really specific, more so than just like group one, bride's family, and group two, groom's family. Because what does that mean? You know, it, it, there could be extended family, immediate family, and maybe they just want their immediate family, but the whole extended family jumps in the photo. So you want it to be specific. I would have your bride and groom create actual like groupings with the names included so it's very clear which person needs to be in which photo so basically you would just read it off as like group one susan joe billy bob kyle sarah tyler susan i don't know i said susan already i'm not that good at reading off names that fast apparently off the top of my head but anyway so you know group one name 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 group two name 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 and even if it's like group one is the bride her parents and then her siblings and then the second photo is just the bride and her parents i would still have her list out those names but just taking out the other two names that aren't in the, the other photo, if that makes sense. So that you just read them off. It's very clear. Um, don't put 
bride's parents, bride's parents and siblings. I mean, sometimes that works out okay, but I really like to have actual names so that it's crystal clear. Everyone understands exactly who needs to be in the photo. The more organized this process is for family formals, the faster this is going to be and the more quickly you can start sending people off to go to the reception. I promise you, you can thank me later after doing this. It's going to save you so much time and it's also so much better than if you don't have a list and now it's the day of and you're looking to the bride and you're going all right who's next what other groups do you want it just can be crazy and it's also nice because you assign this to your couple ahead of time they can talk to their parents and they can figure out all the groupings that they want ahead of time so that the day of two the bride's mom isn't like oh I want a picture with my sister and you know starts throwing in random things which a little bit of that you're gonna get that's just normal but at least if you have them ahead of time it's already in there and they don't have to be thinking about all the ones that they might have missed so um put I would definitely have them do that make that part of what they do before the wedding day arrives my next tip who knows what number we're on is to be prepared for harsh lighting and low lighting wedding days are full of different types of lighting all day long because typically you're what seven hours there eight hours there sometimes 10 hours there that's a lot of time where the time the lighting outside is constantly changing so sometimes the bride and groom get ready in really dark places and that maybe don't have a lot of natural light so you have to be prepared for what to do if that's the case also receptions can be very dark a lot of times they're happening in the evenings right and the sun's down so those can be kind of dark and daunting some of them have very dim lighting so be prepared for that as well whether you decide that you're going to just crank your iso up really high or use a flash or like a video light or something none of those are right or wrong you just need to figure out what you're going to do what your game plan is for anything that might be super dark or low lighting. Um, also, another situation is if the wedding is outside, a lot of times the ceremony is happening at the worst time of the day, lighting-wise. Ceremonies can include lots of harsh light. They're usually kind of right in the middle of the afternoon when the sun is the highest and the shadows are the darkest. So, if they're getting married outside and it's not in a shaded area, they could have really heavy shadows across their faces. So plan for how you would shoot this the best you possibly can. Sometimes there's nothing you can really do about it that is out of your control wherever they decide to have the ceremony, but you have to be able to just work with it and give them pretty images no matter what. So practice makes perfect with this. Try shooting in different lighting situations before the wedding day. Go to your house, turn off all the lights, like practice shooting in dark situations or at night when there's very dim lighting. Practice shooting out in the sun in midday and kind of get a hang of what style you like. If you like to underexpose, overexpose in those situations, whatever works for you and is going to match your style and make you the happiest with your work overall. But I definitely recommend practicing and being prepared for these situations. All right, and my very last tip of the day is to back up your images right away after the wedding. After a wedding day, you're probably gonna be exhausted. You are gonna be tired, your feet might hurt, your back might hurt, but before your head hits that pillow of yours, I highly encourage you to back up all of the images from the wedding day. And this could be a lot of images, and I'm sorry in advance, but you never know if a card that you have shot on may corrupt, it might fall out of your bag, or something totally random could happen to it. 
I personally suggest putting all of the images onto at least two external hard drives or even an online cloud service to store the raw files. Never format over the images on the cards until you deliver the final gallery and you know that the client has received them. SD cards are really not that expensive and it is so worth the investment to have a bunch of them that you can just shoot every different type of session or different weddings on different cards and not delete them um, until after it's delivered. It's worth it to save your butt in the long run because if you lose those memories, you can't reshoot a wedding day. All in all, lovelies, I just want you to be prepared. It is just in your best interest to bring backups for everything. Make sure you have a clear idea of how the day is gonna go. Those two things are gonna help you feel so much more confident on the wedding day, especially if you get to know the couple ahead of time. I always suggest doing an engagement shoot with the couple ahead of time if you can, or at the very least, meeting up with them, getting to feel out their personalities, because if you guys connect and you feel kind of like friends at that point, the wedding day is gonna feel so much more easy because you're gonna feel like you're just hanging out with your friends all day. You're gonna crush it, my friend. I have so much faith in you. I know you're going to do absolutely amazing. Of course, if you have any other questions, you are more than welcome to ask them in the Facebook group, the Branded Cowgirl Podcast on Facebook. Go join that group. There's lots of awesome resources I get dropped in there, and it's a community where I want you guys to connect with each other, and you can connect with me there. So please go join that Facebook group and ask any questions you might have. You can share your work if you're a photographer. I'd love to see what you've been working on. And if you have any bonus tips to give any new photographers, you can drop them in there as well. I love you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in. Also, I plan on putting a bunch of resources from this episode up on the show notes of this blog post. They may not be up there as this post goes live in real time. However, if you're listening to this in the future, hello, hello, future people. Um, I'm so stupid. Okay. If you're listening to this though, I would go check it out. I Well, I have links already up there from everything that I mentioned so far, but I will also be having resources for photographers that will be linked in this uh, episode show notes in the future. So definitely go check that out. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys have a super amazing, awesome day. I love you and I will see you in the next one. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Branded Cowgirl podcast. To stay up to date on the show, give input, ask questions, and more, make sure to join the exclusive Facebook group just for listeners. You can also follow us on Instagram and check out all of the show notes by going to sarahelrodblog.com slash brandedcowgirlpodcast. That's sarahelrodblog.com slash brandedcowgirlpodcast. And if you have not yet, make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that this show can continue to grow and get into the ears of more Western creatives just like you. All right, y'all, I will see you in the next one.